Welcome to episode 367 of the AMPM podcast. My guest this week is Jana Krekic from, she's living in Germany now, but originally from Serbia. She's a specialist when it comes to languages. She speaks five languages herself, and she's got a team of 90 people that speak pretty much any language that you want for any marketplace that you may be selling on in the Amazon ecosystem. We're going to be talking about languages and translating your listings to different countries and all the things that you need to be thinking about, plus a lot of other really cool stuff in this episode. I hope you really enjoy it. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Billion Dollar Sellers newsletter. That's my new newsletter that started back in August. It's totally free, BillionDollarSellers.com. New issue comes out every Monday and Thursday. This is not some sort of promotional email. This is actually real stuff that you can really, really use. Plus, we have a little bit of fun as well in there. Enjoy. Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host Kevin King. Kevin King. Yana, welcome to the AM PM podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing? Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for finally having me on your podcast. I've been waiting for this invite for a long time now, but uh, thank you so much for inviting me now. I'm really honored to be here. I'm just trying to catch you. You're always like on the go. You're at some events in the US or in, in Europe or somewhere. I'm like, I'm just I'm trying to catch you. Yeah, well, you got me. So really, really excited. You're a hard to catch. You see, you're a hard, you're hard, you're a hard catch. Your husband. Uh, every time I see him, I shake his hand. I'm like, dude, good job. She's a hard catch. <laughs> you, yeah, I praise the ground you walk on. <laughs> oh my God. I will let him know this. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, so so what's what's up? What's going on in the other world? So in the other world, all good. I am um, home in Europe and uh, we've had a very, very big summer, uh, busy summer uh, with Wild Tea. And uh, I think um, a lot of very big brands are very, really uh, interested in going to uh, different places, expanding. And I was pretty much worried a little bit like beginning of this year because the first quarter was not that great. Last year was like so-and-so. But then like uh, Q2 has been very, very well. And we've seen significant increase, especially in very big brands and enterprises wanting to expand elsewhere and just uh, start selling their products um, in different places. So let's back up. So people are wondering what, what the heck, I don't know who this Yana girl is. What the heck is she even talking about? So let's, let's back up a few steps there. And let's, let's say, how did you get into this e-commerce space originally? Were you a seller or did you just branch into it because you were helping a buddy out or what was the origin origins of your, uh, get into e-commerce and, uh, Amazon, uh, story? So that's it. So that's interesting. Um, so, uh, my e-commerce journey started about 17 years ago, um, I started working at, um, I actually have a background in languages and literature and actually played the piano, went to music academy and all of that. So this was oh, like wow. a different life back then, wow. uh, different Yana's world than it is right now. Um, so 17 years ago, I just like got my bachelor's and master's in Scandinavian languages. And then I was offered a job in a call center to be a Colson representative in under a fake name. So I pick a name. Uh, I went by Heidi Larson. Uh, and then after I got promoted, I got to keep my name. Like I got back to Yana after I got to be a manager. So um, I started working in one of very big e-commerce uh, businesses in Europe. They were located in Denmark. And I spent about eight years over there. And I literally built the company together with some of my coworkers. And there were like four of us at the time. It was like a startup. And there was a, a founder um, and like five of us built the whole business from scratch. And um, this is where I learned everything, like how to build um, Shopify, e-commerce, Amazon, absolutely everything. And they let me like play around with their Amazon account. Like um, this is like when I first heard about like what's, what's a buy box um, like uh, 12 years ago. And nobody, nobody cared about Amazon at that point in that company. They had over 150,000 products. They have a huge warehouse. 
and they were mostly doing um, uh, they were mostly selling uh, products from their own website. So I played around with Amazon a little bit, and I thought that the, the translations that they had in different marketplaces were not great. So I hired some of the people that were in call center. I was like, can you just kind of do a little research for me, like do a better listing translation? And then we start seeing some like different like different impressions. Like we even got a couple of sales. It was like, wow, I'm a, I'm a genius. Like this is like working. And then I went back to my boss and I think he gave me like a 50 euro like bonus or something ridiculous like that. And then I was just like, wow, seriously, like, I'm not going to like, if I appreciate myself just for a little, just a little bit, I'm not going to stay and work for this guy um, anymore. And then um, eventually I quit my job and I decided to uh, start my own thing. And this is how uh, YLT Translations was actually uh, born. But I was, I was always interested in like SEO, Google manipulation, all sorts of like manipulation when it comes to content, keywords, all of that. And so I thought that Amazon was going to be actually easier playground than Google is and like ranking on Google and all of that. Uh, and I was right. And at the time, there were not that many agencies that were doing what I thought was something that the market really, really needed. Um, and so I decided to kind of niche down to Amazon only. And it was a big risk because I was like, this is either going to be a hit or miss. And actually people really loved that we kind of niche down and did we like offer Amazon only we're dedicated uh, for um, all Amazon, the content type of the SEO services. What does YLT stand for? That's a great question. So me being an SEO expert, it's not something I'm proud of because I went to my mom so she was like, oh, this should be like acronym, like Yana Linguist Team or something like that. And I was like, great, mom. This is like, you're brilliant. I didn't do a single research. So I bought the domain name, wildtranslations.com. And then after like two, three days, the domain was up. I had like this chat installed on my website. And I was a one-man band at that point. So I did like chats, emails, everything. Um, and then people like started asking, or oh, they, they would come to a chat and they would ask me, so can you explain me what this Bible, Bible verse, like Matthew 22, 15 means? And I'm like, why do people want that? They're like, we want translations of the Holy Bible. And I would only get the Holy Bible like requests. And I'm like, this is so <laughs> weird. And then I typed in wildly translations in the search bar. And I got the, the that it actually wildly stands for Young Literature Translation of the Bible. Oh, really? And so <laughs> it was the Bible results for the first four pages. Basically, it was me against God for the first three months. And I had like a really good SEO team. And we eventually uh, got ranked for the YLT instead of the Bible, which is now like on page five. And then what I decided, I'm going to like rename it into, and it means YLT now stands for your listing translation. Now, that's an interesting point because in translations, things it's things mean one thing in one place and they mean something else somewhere else. So your your name of your company and the way you set it up is almost like a perfect example of how something can mean something you say it one way to mean something, but in another genre, another language or another group of people, it means something different. And you got to know those differences. Exactly. Exactly. Like when, when you pick a, a name for your brand, like you should like check all of the 15 languages. And if there are any uh, weird translations of your name uh, or offensive or, you know, like there was like an example of Hyundai Kona. Uh, and, um, no, it was, yeah, it was Kona or something like that. And then in Portuguese, they had to completely remodel. They picked another, like, um, a Hawaiian, island. I think it was like Hawaii, I think, mm -hmm. um, same place for your summit. Uh, so they, it was like Hyundai Kauai because Kona in Portuguese, it meant female genitalia in slang. So they wow. had to completely change the, 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 the car model. They had to stop whatever they're producing. So a lot of times it literally can do a lot of harm if you don't know what a certain word means, like a different marketplaces. So where, what are, what's your original nationality? Where, where are you from originally? What's your native language? My native language is Serbian. I'm Serbian. Serbian. You're yeah. Serbian. And then yeah. you said you studied languages and you speak something like seven, is it seven languages or what's the number that you actually are fluent in? So now, no, it's not seven. Um, I would say it's, so I speak Norwegian, Danish, German, English, Serbian. I would say five. Yeah. I'm fluent in five. 
And wow. then I'm I, 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 I'm I'm basic in French. I think I could like brush up on my French could be better, but I'm not fluent in French. So five for now. And fifth is the Serbian, which is my native um, language. What do you think is the hardest language to learn out there? Or the hardest, even when you're dealing with translations and your people, what's the hardest one? I think probably uh, one of the toughest languages is Finnish and Hungarian because they have so many different cases. They have so many different, like grammar is impossible to learn, honestly. And it's very, very, um, th- those two are very hard languages. Uh, that's like when it comes to Europe and uh, when it comes to other languages, I, I I mean, definitely Japanese is very, very challenging and Chinese as well. Uh, but they have like also like different alphabets. But when it comes to like European languages and something that, um, you know, uh, what's difficult with like Finnish language is that they don't have any international words at all. Like they don't have the word telephone or any sort of like resembling word that you're like, oh, not OK, even, you not were even saying ta- I thought taxi was in every language. Uh, no, taxi. they don't say taxi. No, they don't say taxi. They have a word for it. I don't, I don't speak Finnish. I just, yeah. they say, say telephone. They say puhelin. Like this is what they say, use for telephone. And Icelandic also doesn't have almost like, like literally like non-international words. So I think this is something that makes it really, really difficult uh, for people who also like travel to the country and you cannot like recognize a single word. Um, even people who speak multiple languages are completely lost. So um, this is what I know. This is what people say that Hungarian and Finnish are literally so hard to learn because of all the grammar problems and all different cases and uh, nouns and just like a bunch of uh, complicated grammar rules. So when someone wants to learn a language, you've, you've learned five of them. You know, maybe there's some people listening out there like, yeah, I'm, I want to learn some Spanish. I want to learn some French or a little bit. I'm dealing a lot with uh, China. I'd like to learn a little bit of Chinese. What's the best way to approach actually learning a language? Is it to use something like Babel or Rosetta Stone, or is it to just immerse yourself in it uh, and just or watch television or listen to radio or uh, or songs yeah. in that language and try to decipher them? What What do you think is the best way to actually start getting a grasp on a, on a language if you want to learn something? Yeah, so I used to teach Norwegian to uh, very big corporate clients um, in Norway um, after they get a job as like CEOs or like um, engineer, engineers, they had to pass a certain uh, exam. And then all of them, they used to learn a language by like watching TV or like listening to radio. And um, I think it's great to kind of uh, get you, get yourself familiarized with the accent, with the sound of the language. But I don't think you can learn language that way because that is passive learning. Because not until you try to pronounce words and actually express yourself, you're not actually actively learning the language. So I think this is great, like uh, in addition to like speaking with someone, the actual language that you listen to radio and watch TV and like your favorite, favorite movies. But I think crucial is to actually speak and try speaking to someone who uh, knows the language. And what I think it's important is that this um, somebody who's teaching you is a native speaker, because no matter how, how good somebody speaks the language, like they learned it like 30 years ago, uh, there is like this specific nuance to, uh, to how good like this level of this mm-hmm. person goes, like accents of certain words and, and stuff like that. You really have to be like um, extraordinaire if, if you like speak a, a language on a native level. And my ex-wife was Colombian, so I was I was learning some Spanish. I mean, she spoke English, but she wasn't not a she didn't she learned English by watching Friends and uh, How I Met Your Mother and Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. and then she took a few classes. But she learned yeah. it just by immersing herself. And so I was trying to learn some. I took went to some classes. I did some of the online stuff. And I never got fluent, but I'm, I can get by. Uh, but now, you know, even with my, my maids, they're from Mexico. And they speak a little bit of English, but I try to speak to them in Spanish. Uh, just, you know, whenever they're here, if I know oh, I'm going to clean the window, you know, I'll try to say something in Spanish. And I know it's broken, but it's at least it's practice. And then when they say something back exactly. to me in, in Spanish, I'm like, I understood what they said. I might not understand every word, but I got the the general gist. Um, but what she always used to tell me, and it's true, is you don't, you can't. So many of us translate uh, when there, when it's another language in our head. You're speaking to me, let's say in Spanish. I'm translating in my head. You can't do that. You got to think in that language. You don't, you can't yeah. become fluent until you actually think in that language. You're not translating in your head as it's being spoken or 
how do, you're not thinking like how do I say this? And uh, okay, it's como se llama. Uh, you know, it, you're just, yeah, just yeah. naturally it's just naturally coming out. And that's the trick. That's the trigger that where you can start really making good progress. I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a that's like a next level. Like when you start thinking in another language, this is where you kind of get the full grasp of it. Like you kind of start feeling like more comfortable. And um, there's like a really cool thing. Like, uh, so I know a lot of people who are bilingual, even trilingual. And then they, you know, they got asked like, so what's your native language? You know, if you have like a French mom and like a U.S. dad. And then they're like, well, I'm like proficient in both languages. But actually the language you count the money in, in your head, this is your strongest language. Really? So, the, yes. the, the, so the, I the, always the, count the, money, yes, in Serbian. And I'm like, you know, like even if someone so even if like, Donald, even if you're in the U.S. and you're counting your your hundred dollar bills, uh, you, you're 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 at the club, you're you're counting those in Serbian in your head. Yes, like subconsciously, like I'm doing it in Serbian, and this is your native language, like one hundred percent the strongest language you have. So for everyone, anyone out there, like wondering, like they're bilingual, <laughs> but what's my strongest language? Just think of like what what what's the language you count your money in, and that's it. One hundred percent true. Yeah. Well, speaking of counting your money, I mean, that's what your company does is you help people count the money in uh, other languages. <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that what correct. you do. I mean, so just for everybody knowing, I mean, Yana's company is how many people you have working for you now? Like 50 uh, or something? Right now or? it's no, not right now it's 90. So you have 90 people working for you and you're translating mostly Amazon, but also other e-commerce, Shopify and other stuff, listings into native languages for other marketplaces. How many different languages can y'all service right now? So we provide uh, most, um, I, I think, yeah, we don't do like Singapore and um, Australia, but apart from that, we cover all other global marketplaces. So we cover like the whole Europe, which is Germany, UK, France, Spain, Italy, um, the Netherlands, uh, Poland, and Sweden. And then outside of in Europe, we do Japan, UAE, Mexico, Canada, and Brazil. That's about 11 languages, I think. Not good at math. That's why I do languages. So when someone comes to you, if something's in a, if it starts in, I mean, sometimes it starts in English and someone from selling in the U.S. that's starting to sell, let's say, in France. So you got to convert it to France. But what if it's someone that started selling in France, it's in French, and they want to go into UAE and do it in Arabic? Do you have someone that's French to Arabic direct? Or in some cases, is it French to English and then English to Arabic? How, do, how does that work? Yeah, so we never have like this um, uh, intermediary language. Like we never have the like translated to English and then English to Arabic because you can lose a lot of things um, while putting this like um, language in the middle. Like if I translate it to French to English, then I would probably kind of lose like the the, the the original nuance and like the the style I'm having in French by translating to English. And then whoever's translating to Arabic, it's going to be like. Oh, based themselves on the English text, and every translator they they have their own style. So maybe they'll do it in a different style than the original text is in, and they will miss on some like key elements, and then somebody will translate it and have a completely different idea about like what the goal of this brand is. So we never do that. We have the translator that cover all language pairs like if you want to do like um uh, like if you're a german brand if you want to go to mexico we have someone who will translate for german to mexican um i don't think we have someone that will translate like arabic to other languages but we have um a team that will translate from english french or german to arabic but not um vice versa uh because we don't get any requests for that and one of the things I notice a lot of times is, is my my ex wife would sometimes watch stuff in subtitles uh, yeah. because you know she, she could speak English, but the you know if they got went too fast or if there was a heavy accent, uh, you know it would be a little bit trouble. So we just she just put on the English a lot of times the English subtitles, and uh, or vice versa if it was something in uh, Spanish, you know she's watching uh you know what's that one uh, paper heist or whatever that popular Netflix uh -huh. show that's uh, from Spain. And, and she would watch it in Spanish, but she'd put on the English subtitles either for me or sometimes she'd just do it to practice to see. But sometimes I'm listening to it in Spanish and I'm reading down there in the English and I would turn to her and say, that translation is not what they just said. Uh, it's complete. It's, she's like, yeah, I know. It really bugs me. Um, it's some, so things like that where it's hard to get those nuances, those little 
Yes. Those little things are like transfer, you know, translating like Shakespeare from that kind of flowery English into some other language has got to be difficult. So that's part of what you guys do is help capture that that personality, that essence of the language, not just a, a hardcore translation like a Google Translate or something would do, where it's just a it's just translating words basically. Yeah, because like you know we have we work with a lot of U.S. brands, and you know like how. I mean, U.S. content is pretty much like very salesly and fluffy and like very, you know, everything is very exciting. And then you can't translate that the same way and present it to Germans uh, who are a completely different, um, different mentality, um, different shopping habits. They are really much like puzzled by that type of language. So you kind of <laughs> have to tone it down for them has to be very much like, you know, it's like black and white, very like, you know, straight to business, show me the features, don't go like all in like emotional with me, like they hate it. And they, they, they don't, they doesn't sit well with them. And then this is something you have to uh, always take into consideration, like the audience you're talking to, because you want this audience to feel like they're buying from a local brand and not from like an overseas brand because they, they don't like it. You know, like I also want to buy something that is like produced, for instance, like in Europe, if I want to buy something made in Germany, I'm not going to have like a certain expectations, like how that's going to sound and the quality that follows and all of that. Yeah, I was, I mean, speaking of like the AI stuff, I mean, when a lot of people are like, well, why do I, I don't need someone like Yana's company anymore. AI can just do it for me. It's good enough. Yeah, I know I tried Google Translate in the past, but this AI stuff is even, even, even better. And I, even I was just on a, a call uh, last week with, uh, with, a big seller based in China, Chinese-based seller doing 50 million a year or something like that. And he said, we were asking him questions about what, you know, what are some of the uh, the challenges? Uh, and he said, it used to be, you know, writing listings for the Chinese, writing listings in English and trying to capture the essence of the culture and stuff. And he said, that barrier is now gone because we can use AI to do it. What would you say to, to something like that? Uh, when you're hearing this, you know, I've kidded you and uh, you've heard it from others like, oh, is your business dead because AI is going to take over? What are you going to do next? Uh, Yana, are you going to uh, go into vacuum sales or, or what are you going to do? I'm going to be an Amazon seller. <laughs> there you go, be an Amazon seller. <laughs> uh, yeah, at least you got the data. You know what works and what doesn't. All yeah, your exactly. clients, you, you're like, if that's, <laughs> hey, don't um, worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. I mean, this is a question I get asked um, so what, very what, often. What do you say to that, though? Because I, I don't think – I think a, my personal is AI is a great tool. It's great for brainstorming. It's great for maybe fine-tuning something in, in certain cases. But it's not a substitute for the human. What What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, well, I think that um, – I think AI is incredible. And I think we are uh, – we're still – you know, we're yet to see, like, all the possibilities and if it conquers the world and kills us all. But uh, for now, I think um, what is very mesmerizing and why people really love it and, and use it – I mean, I use it, like, on everyday level just, like, to help me around Excel formulas, all of that, just, you know, making my life easier – uh, but when it comes to um, copywriting and translations, I understand that it's really fantastic when you like um, put like a prompt in AI and it comes out with a completely new text, uh, blog content, listing, whatever, just because you tell them how to write it in a certain way. So I think it's great because AI tool creates something out of nothing. And that is really great. But then I kind of got pretty tired of like AI content, especially like on LinkedIn, all these po posts, like they seem very repetitive. Now you can, you can recognize a lot of the content that is being written by AI just because people yeah. don't put too much effort into actually differentiating the, their content from other people. Like there's like this extension I use, it's called AI PRM. And there you can uh, literally like uh, pick a style of a uh, different content. And it's going to be like, salesly happy analytical um uh, journalistic whatever and then you can like kind of like get a different sort of like a vibe of the text that you read but it's it's still it's still very trackable by human eye so i don't have to like go to a website that's gonna like discover for me if this is ai content or not so i i now kind of see it being like very repetitive and it's not very um creative so I think that you would still need if you need if you want create if you want something which is average it's good but average you can use AI 
But I think if you want something that is creative and outside of the box, you would still need humans to uh, put their effort into creating that sort of content. Um, when it comes to translations, it's a bit different because what we've um, uh, what we've uh, discovered, and I've tested about ten to fifteen tools, and I've got a lot of like my, my LinkedIn is like full of like messages like saying like, hey, can we collab on our AI tool? We're trying to create new listings with translations. And everything we've tested so far has not been that great. Actually, it would have taken us longer to fix those type of translations than mm. to do them from scratch. Um, and you would also have to pay for that because nobody will do proofreading uh, for free. But the problem was that if you put a, a product, like let's say a title and bullets in this in these tools, and then you click translate, and you kind of want to, and everybody says like, no, it's going to transcreate the content. It's not going to be word by word machine translation. It will transcreate the content, but then it will maybe just transcreate the first three bullets and just like totally ignore the fourth and fifth bullet, which might have very important information. So when you translate the content given to an AI from title to bullets, you're going to have 70% of the information you have in the source text because it's going to play around and create something out of nothing, like play around with what it's given. But the AI tool will choose which segments of the text they're going to take to for translation and transcreation and localization. And you can't control that. I mean, you, you cannot control that 100% um, as of like right now. So sometimes in the brands don't speak the language. Usually they don't have the team which speaks the language. And a lot of times they will not even know that you don't have your biggest and the best quality translated in this other language. Like that's it. Just because AI tool kept all of these emojis at the beginning of bullets, you're like, wow, this is amazing, right? Because there's no way for you to check that. And I think this is a big um, downside of AI right now when it comes to translations. It's not um, it's not following the source text uh, close enough. And it's definitely not, doesn't have any keywords. I think keywords are a big problem. And then if you have to like um, feed the keywords into AI, I mean, if it's going to take a long time for you as well to do the keyword research. So you're not going to, uh, you know, cut, cut time like on the, the research. The AI is not going to do any research for you. So all of these tools are still, um, they're still um, having problems with integrating uh, keywords because they don't, like the tool is not going to log into Helium 10 and then like put the keywords in there. And also you will have to check what sort of keywords the AI tool put. I mean, there's so many parameters, or, as you know, it's not only like um, search volume, you know, and, that tool is not going to go into brand analytic reports and then like integrate the top selling keywords. And so I think that that is going to be uh, still one of the biggest problems with AI, not being consistent with the source text and not having um, the keywords that you as like doing a manual research or anybody on your team would do. Uh, I don't think it's, it's um, that, that, that is a still very big issue. I think it's definitely going to be solved in the future, but I just think that right now, I don't think it's good enough for you to just completely ditch any human work at all. Yeah, I'd only, I mean, I'm using it to fine-tune writing. So if if I'm not using it to go to AI and say, write me a story about me walking my dog uh, and we saw squirrels and uh, you know it started to rain or something, okay, and then AI makes it up, it's not very good. It'll make something up. And so, like you said, it's, it's okay, but you can tell. Um, but what yeah. I'll do, I'll use is I'll write the actual story and my words, the best that I can write it. And I'm not, I'm not a bad writer. And then I will paste that into AI and say, can you rewrite this, um, keeping the same length, um, and, or maybe shorter in some cases and add a little humor, add a little this or whatever, and it'll come back and rewrite it. And some of what it rewrites is actually damn good brainstorming. It's like, this is, this is a better way. I mean, I did that in my newsletter, uh, a while back. There's, uh, I, I, you know, I, would, I talked about the balcony Barbie and I, I put in the, in, in balcony Barbie, I, I, I wrote the whole thing originally. And I said something like she was on the, you know, she was on the balcony and uh, she was talking to a guy who, uh, you know, was fully dressed or something. I wrote it in those terms. So the, the AI changed that to say she was on the balcony, you know, feeling the breeze and he didn't get the memo that clothing clothes were optional. Uh, so that was right. a better way to actually say yeah. it. And so I used just that little chunk and then, but I still rewrote it, uh, but I used that. So from a brainstorming point of view, I think it's good. But another example of this, you say in the translation is when I was going, getting my divorce, well, I'm still in the process of it, but 
it didn't, uh, luckily it didn't get too bad, uh, too heated, but uh, my wife or soon to be ex-wife will not, she's from Colombia. She will not write to me or speak to me in English anymore. She, everything is done in Spanish by text. And so she, in her rationale mm-hmm. was like, in, in her mind was like, this way I know I'm saying it the way I mean it with my emotion and sorry if your translator messes right. it up. Sorry if you're, you know, if you're throwing that, you don't understand or you're throwing that into Google, at least from her point of view, she's like, I said it the way I meant to say it. And there's nothing, if you didn't understand it, that's not my problem. Um, so that's another good example. I mean, that's, that's a, of how things get lost. Like you just said, the emotions and the yeah. and things when, when I take a, some big long text where she's saying something all in Spanish and I, I can read part of it, but a lot of it I don't understand. So I have to throw it into Google Translator, into one of the other tools, and I'll get the gist, but it's it's not with the same emotion, and it may, like you said, change something up. And so that's where I think a lot of people don't quite understand the limitations on these tools and why you need somebody like YLT Translations to actually do this stuff for you, uh, and it's not going to go away. Uh, and if you want to do it half-ass, use the tools and get half-ass sales. If you want good sales and to maximize your opportunity and potential – you need to use real humans that actually know e-commerce, not just some language translator service you found online that will do this for 100 or 50 bucks. You know, some guy in Chile uh, re- doing it that's maybe can speak the language, but he's not versed in all the idiosyncrasies of e-commerce. So how do you guys stay on top of everything, of what's what, how you should be, how the German market is different than the U.S. market, and how the French and how all the little things that are changing, you know, like right now, in the U.S. market, there's more AI being used for rankings. I mean, it used to be make sure you get the right keywords in there. Yeah. You can do keyword research in different countries, but now they're using semantic language and they're using all these different. Uh, the algorithm's gotten much more sophisticated. Where you, it's not going to be so much just keyword based anymore. It's going to be contextual based, and it's yes. going to make its own interpretation. So, how are you guys doing that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've I've done a lot of um, reading about Bird. Um, the Amazon uh, open open source um, AI, and I think it's really fascinating how they're uh, hoping to just um, uh, make like running shoes like in a more like a semantic like kind of thing because it's going to be also uh, Nike shoes and um, I don't know like flat shoes like just like under running shoes are going to be so many more words and so many more um, semantic meanings. I think it's absolutely fascinating. So I would definitely, for instance, when it comes to AI, I think this is going to be a game changer. And I think uh, this is something that everybody should get more uh, information on and get training on. And also, like, I was, like, checking their, their website. You can get, like, training with Bird and all of that. So we'll definitely, like, get a, get, get a look into that because I think that's, that is absolutely brilliant. And I think it also gives you so much more opportunity. And I think um, it, it depends on, like, how creative you get. And how, how how broad this uh, bird is going to be in their own like semantic meetings. So I think that this is going to be really interesting. But as of for now, I think it's only available for US. So it's not that relevant to like uh, what we do. And unfortunately, or fortunately for us, like international marketplaces are like lining years uh, behind the US when it comes to rules and all of that. Because you can still keep your caps lock like in bullets and nobody's going to take your listing down. And there's like a lot of things that are like against TOS in the US, which you can get away with on other international marketplaces. And we can still take advantage of that. So I think that um, a bird is an exciting model, but I'm just wondering what is it going to be available for um, in global marketplaces? Yeah, they're doing their training it. Uh, I saw something in there's four main languages they're using, but they're also using like. 18 or something different, 15 or 18 different languages or something like that in the training to try to really fine tune it uh, as well. It's going to be, yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see where, where all that goes. But right now I think you're seeing, um, I think a lot more big companies come into space. I mean, you do, you work with a lot of mom and pop Amazon folks and, uh, but you're seeing now you, I think you, you told me that more and more of these big brands are kind of waking up and saying, Hey, we need to, get our act together when it comes to uh, expansion in these other marketplaces and, and really nailing our translation. We've, we've had some, uh, um, flunky doing it for a while in the company or something. Now we need professionals to do this that understand e-commerce. Why do you think that is? And what are you seeing in that realm? 
So I think I do a lot of uh, like on LinkedIn. I, I post like uh, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna say a lot, but it, I, this is a lie. I, I wish I had more videos on that, but I love to do like analysis of like big brands and just like private label brands. Uh, I had a call a couple of days ago with a huge brand doing um, strong eight figures in US, but they're doing so badly in Europe. Like I think like their biggest uh, marketplace is in Italy and it's like 4,000 euros a month, which is ridiculous um, comparing to how much more they can do. Um, so a lot of very big brands, they do not actually understand how things work on Amazon and they don't have a competent team um, among their employees that understands how something works. And they all often have like an external consultant and just like aggregators did, you know, like just like hire this and that just to help them, you know, like put things together, but they didn't have a competent team to kind of build the brands and like, you know, and, and sell them the way uh, they should. And they, just to have their full potential on Amazon as well. And then these big brands that they see like a bunch of these like private label sellers, basically stealing, stealing their sales they're like, how can this no-name brand, why are they buying our baby diaper bag, their diaper bag, their baby diaper bag instead of ours? And we are, I don't know, like just, I don't know, like Kiko or like some other very huge brand. And they kind of get upset because like they also want to conquer Amazon as well. So they now go like from retail and brick and mortar. They want to go to Amazon and they all say like, well, Amazon is like so important for us, but they don't actually understand what it takes to win on Amazon and how they should um, do the content better, PPC and a bunch of other things because they're still like kind of old school, but they want to move in this direction because they see that there is a lot of money on Amazon and they see like, insane sales. And you have like so many tools that can tell you that I'm sure their, their teams do a lot of research. And when they see that um, a private label brand does 1 million a month or like one sold product, then they're just like, well, what are we doing? So we've seen this year, the last seven, eight months, very, very big brands with huge catalogs just saying like, hey, so we want to go all in. Like we've done these machine translations or we're like we've worked with several agencies before, but we haven't actually seen any results. So now we want to do it the right way. We want to like find someone who actually knows Amazon, understands like they're going to make a sales copy that will sell to the new audience because we have all the numbers saying that this category is great, but we're not just, you know, seeing any results from it. And, um, and I, at first I thought like, well, maybe this is just like one or two companies that kind of really, you know, kind of understand the potential of Amazon and really kind of want to uh, dive into that. But then after like 10, 12, like very big brands and enterprises, I was sure that all of them have the similar story, like why they want to improve and like sell and enhance their sales on Amazon as well. Because I think for them, that was like, up until very recently was like an untapped market. They maybe they thought that they don't need to be on Amazon, but then also there's a certain portion of FOMO as well. And also seeing like how many other sales are being made from your product in your category and your Missing out on that just because you didn't have a, somebody that is competent enough to help you uh, build that Amazon side of the, your business. So you guys are not just, here's my listing translator. You're actually helping. You're more full service where you'll help them optimize uh, everything across the listing. It's not just, here's my copy, translate this for me. Thank you very much. Um, but you go all the way into doing the keyword, deep dive into the keyword research in that language and then helping them with the bullets and the description, the title and the normal stuff, but also a lot of the back end attributes and all that kind of stuff as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Like we provide like a full service for your content to be optimized, to be to, to have everything your competitors don't have. So we kind of try to kind of position you better than your biggest competitor or we try to put you um, in top three competitors on that marketplace. Sometimes it's like very challenging, but a lot of times it is not because no matter how big this brand is and how well they're doing in the US, on international marketplaces, they suck. And if you go and like do analysis of all the top competitors, uh, you'll see that their content doesn't make a lot of sense and they miss out on the most keywords because their teams do not do keyword research for that marketplace ever and this is something that you can uh you can definitely use and you can put it in your content and then you can be the product that will show up instead of them um and uh this is some this is a potential that a lot of brands uh miss out on and it's basically leaving money on the table just because you don't want to enhance your 
content and keywords and then use those good keywords in your PPC campaigns and, and so on. What about translating American English to UK English? A lot of people think they can just take their American listing and just stick it over in the UK. Oh, they speak English. It's, it's, I, don't need a, I don't need a translation. I would argue different. Um, yeah, I, what, I would also what, argue what, different. What, do you, do you, can you <laughs> share a little bit of insight there, maybe even a couple interesting examples of, of how the, you actually need translation for the UK from the US? Yeah, uh, so this was this baby diaper bag I already mentioned. So we had a seller and she was selling this product and uh, she just copy-pasted like the US content to UK and then um, she just you know, you know let, it, let it roll. And six, seven months later, she uh, reached out to us and she was like, so I think um, my listing is not great because obviously I've been ranked for different things that, other than this product. And uh, can you help me out? So we did an analysis of her listing. And what it turned out to be is that um, the word diapers, which is kids diapers in the US, actually is the word they use for adult diapers in the UK. So she was ranked for adult diapers, not kids diapers. So like com- something completely opposite. Uh, than what she intended to. And the whole keyword list that she had in the US was literally maybe 10% um, of what you should have used in the UK. So for instance, she had keywords such as um, uh, changing state, like baby diaper changing stations, which you don't have in the UK. Like they don't have these changing stations as, as you do in the US. Or uh, baby shower gifts. Like you don't have baby shower gifts in the UK by popular demand. Or they were nowhere to be found when we did the keyword research. Uh, and there were just like so many things. And then also she had also like Spanish keywords because because of the Hispanic population, you're going to have a lot of uh, Spanish keyword results in your US keyword research. And she also put that in her PPC campaigns and everywhere in UK, which was absurd because like these search results, they do not show up in, in Spanish uh, on the UK marketplace because they have a different population of people living there. Um, so she made, um, she, she really did not do a great job and she spent a lot of money and worst thing, she spent a lot of time, uh, on that, uh, just having copy pasted her listing from us and UK. And you would think like, well, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's the same language. Like, why should I do anything? And I'm sure the keywords are the same. You know, sometimes the keywords are like 90% of the same, but then you're like missing out on like 10% of keywords that you're not going to have in your listing. So what I have to say is that if you don't want to localize, just like make sure that you have all the right, uh, all the right keywords, um, you know. But like even if like if we take, a, for instance, like how people speak in the states, you would say uh, in like in Pennsylvania, you're gonna say book bag, and then in New York, you say backpack. You know, like even inside of like the states, you have like differences, and like people call things different names. So just like imagine all like two completely separate countries. Um, that you know they use different um, uh, localized words and different patterns. I think there's like what's it called? Like in Australia, they call thongs like they're called flip flops. I think um, mm-hmm. or something like that, which is like you know doesn't make any sense to any other U.S. speaker. So diapers in the UK are what uh, for children are nappies, right? Nappies, yes. Yeah, she should yeah, have used the word nappies. And if you like do the keyword, like if you put diapers, because a lot of people obviously do a lot of mistakes with that. Um, you will see diapers somewhere like in the middle, but then you will have like nappies all the way. So she could have just like typed in diapers and she would have seen like, why do I have these word nappies like all the way here? <laughs> and you know, it's something you can do on your own. You don't have to like pay for this or hire anyone. You just have to do your homework before you launch another marketplace. What do you guys charge for a listing? If I come to you, is it, is it depend on how many you got to translate or what's just like a ballpark? If I'm like, okay, I want to give this a shot and see what happens. I'm, I'm selling in Germany. My listing sucks. I'm going to have uh, Giannis team uh, help me out here. What What am I looking at? Uh, probably 300 bucks, 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks. What What's uh, what am yeah. I looking at? So we kind of we kind of really keep a competitive pricing. Uh, we're not cheap, but we're not expensive. We're like somewhere in the middle, uh, so everyone can afford us. Um, so basically, it depends on how long your listing is because. We used to have like a flat fee for absolutely everyone, but now people tend to go crazy with like premium A plus content. It can go to like fifteen hundred words, so we can charge the same as like your listing has seven hundred words. So, so our pricing goes from like hundred bucks to uh, two hundred bucks, depending on like how how big, um, how long your your listing is. But 
Um, it includes uh, the, the whole packaging, includes title, bullets, A plus content, keyword research, all, all keywords, um, and backend search terms and everything uh, you need. Even we can include um, keyword databases at, um, if, if need be. But uh, basically, this is what's covered with the, the, with 100 to 200 bucks. And, um, and this is charged per parent per language. We don't charge for variations. So if you have one parent and 10 variations, we're just going to charge you for one product. Well, that's, that's very reasonable. That's, uh, that's cheaper than what I would have expected uh, you to come back and say, that's, 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 a, that's a no-brainer. That's an offer you can't refuse yeah. right there. I mean, if you have five ASINs to five languages, it's going to be probably um, like 500 bucks. Like, not myself, it's like one per language, but it's going to be $2,500 for five ASINs for two five languages. But basically, uh, it's a one-time investment in this product. You can optimize them every six months, but you can like search for like new keywords yourself. When you have the, the, the first keywords, you can kind of just kind of put that keyword that we got for you and just like doing your research in Helium 10, you can get like possibly new keywords and you can insert those, um, which, is, which is something that I recommend like every six months to do optimization and nobody does that. Uh, so basically, let's say this is like a one-time investment only. So it's like $2,500 for five ASINs to five languages. And um, and this is everything you pay for. And you can make like X, three, four, five amount of money based off this single investment you have because you fixed your content. So it's really like when compared to all the PPC agency pricing you have to pay every month and like other charges you have, this is really something that... Uh, even if it doesn't work out, it's not like you blew a lot of money on it. Honestly, what do you do? You do packaging as well, and maybe like if I have instructions or, or manuals uh, for my product, do you do those uh, as well? Yeah, we absolutely cover everything that has English language on it or any other language you want to get translated. Which means like manuals, packaging translation, which is really important. Uh, Follow up emails, inserts, storefront um, ads, anything you need translated, we we can take care of it. Now you're dealing with a lot of different people all over the world. What are you seeing are the best markets, in your opinion, for people to expand to? So if I'm selling in the U.S., where should I go next? Uh, Canada and then Germany or then Japan or, or the U.K.? Or what, what are you seeing based on your years of doing this that would be a good strategy for someone who's thinking about expanding internationally to, if they don't want to go all in uh, right away? Yeah, well, I think like what's smart like for the U.S. brands is always to go to either like Canada or Mexico because it's very close and it's very convenient. And um, this is what a lot of sellers do. Like it's very rare that somebody from the U.S. hasn't sold in Mexico and then goes directly to Europe. Like I haven't seen that. They do at least a couple of products in Mexico to see how it goes. If they have like results, somewhat results, they decide to go to Europe. So this is what I've seen. Uh, happen. So it's either Mexico or Canada, always for US brands. They don't do full catalogs. They do a couple of bestsellers, see how it goes. And then if they're happy with that, they move forward to um, expansion to, to Europe. And when it comes to Europe, it's always going to be UK and Germany, like always. And now France, Spain, and Italy are the following marketplaces, which are good. But Germany and UK are the two biggest ones. And it's always like whatever, usually like bestsellers in the US um, are also going to be bestsellers in Europe and, um, and in Germany. If you're not selling plastic toys, plastic toys do not do that well in Germany, but wooden toys and everything that is kind of retro, old school, something that your grandparents like used to play with. Um, Europe is like very kind of like sustainable, friendly place. And then this is something that works insanely well um, in, in, in Europe. I would say wooden toys of all sorts are just uh, a great category to be in. And uh, at some point, maybe you'll, you'll translate newsletters too, right? <laughs> yes, at some point, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I, want, I want to see you translate uh, Balcony Barbie. And the, oh, and yeah, yeah. That, that, would be, that would be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Yana, you're going to be speaking at the Billion Dollar Seller Summit in February, and uh, the, the virtual one. Uh, but So people will be able to catch you there, and you've always got some great stuff. Uh, I remember one time you did a... Wasn't even about translations. It's like you you had put all these hacks together or something like from you'd learn from all your clients and all your stuff, and it was like uh, really really cool stuff. So that's going to be exciting. But 
And in the meantime, uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you or find out more about uh, your company or follow you, or what, what's the best way to do that? So if you if you guys like um, some of the, the content I, I shared today, I share a lot of that on, on LinkedIn, a lot of um, case studies, real-time examples, live analysis of brands. I love doing that. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm building a community over there, and hopefully I reach, I don't know, like 15,000 followers this, this year. I This is kind of something I'm kind of really uh, big on. I love LinkedIn. I love everyone. what's everyone doing over there. Uh, and also you're, you're welcome to check our website, which is wild-translations.com where you can see everything that we do. And apart from translations, I just want to mention that we also offer this, uh, really interesting report that will help you decide which marketplace to sell on next. Um, it's pretty unique. It's a manual report and it has a bunch of data that I'm sure that your team cannot, um, cannot do or perform because it's a different uh, language they're dealing with. How do I get that? It's on your website? It's on our website, yeah. So you can go to wild-translation slash amore. It's like this little amore. Uh, A-M-O-R-E? A-M-O-R-E. No, A-M-O-R. It stands for Amazon Marketplace Opportunity Report. So we love to spread love at international marketplaces with our little report. Awesome. So yl-translations with an S dot yeah. com forward slash Amor, A-M-O-R. Yes, correct. Awesome. Well, Yana, I really appreciate you coming on today. And uh, don't play so hard to get the next time. And we'll, we'll have to have you back. <laughs> you can always catch me online. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for coming. Thank you so much for having me. As you can see with Yana, there's several opportunities, I mean, tons of opportunities, actually, outside the United States. If you want to venture out and give the waters a test in Europe or Japan or anywhere else where Amazon has a marketplace, and her company, YLT Translations, is probably the best in the space that can help you make that transition smoothly and give you the best chance of success. So if you're thinking about doing that, go out there and give it a shot. We'll be back again next week with another episode. We've got the Russian brainiac coming on, Isabella Ritz, next week. So it's going to be a great episode. So hopefully you'll be back for that next Thursday. In the meantime, don't forget BillionDollarSellers.com is the newsletter. And our words of wisdom I'm going to part with you today with are, who knows you is more important than who you know. Who knows you is more important than who you know. Have a great week. We'll see you next Thursday.